1: Hey, it's another edition of Simply Financial. Welcome to the show. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Ray. He is your financial coach at Insight Folios. Based in Pinconning. you can find him online at insightfolios.com. Kevin brings more than three decades of experience in the financial planning world to the table each and every week, and we look forward to these conversations. Kevin, good to be with you this week. What's up in your world?
0: You too, Walter. You know, the nights are getting a little cooler, doing a little fishing, enjoying the weather, and... You know, just enjoying summer, while it's still here. How about yourself?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I have to tell on you, Kevin's, Kevin's might be a little sullen today, folks, because <laughs> he went fishing last week and got nada.
0: Nada. That's right. <laughs> nada. That's the first time in a long time I got nada. And I was, you know, it's still a good day, but I'd like to catch a fish here and there. So.
1: Yeah. You, uh, you, you let us know usually when you have a great day on the water. So the fact that you were glossing over that this week made me, I I was like, I got to call him out. He went fishing, just didn't have any good stories to come back with.
0: Nothing other than, you know, yeah, it was a good day in the water, but no good stories of fishing. That's That's right.
1: You, you did have some good stories to tell me about the, the rain and the weather and trying to row your way out of some of the skinny parts of the, of the river and that kind of thing, but nothing that involved a fish on the hook. unfortunately.
0: And the crazy kayakers. Now we, We were getting off the river as the storm was coming through and it was thundering. It didn't see any lightning, but there was kayakers getting on the river they weren't um, bothered by it. they weren't bothered by it and i'm like oh you're you know that's that's what youth does to you right you're yes. more bulletproof For me with all my age and wisdom and you know, i figured it's time to get off
1: so. yeah you were also holding a fishing pole where they weren't but i that's guess they true. were holding oars or uh, you know They're that holding, kind of
0: thing yeah the paddles the paddles yeah. right yeah so
1: i don't know if that's quite as uh conductive perhaps as holding a fishing pole high in the air but uh, still holding on to something
0: I don't want to. I don't want to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that experiment, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay
1: safe in uh, in those lightning situations, folks. Please, for Thank sure. Uh, well, very cool. We've got a great show on the way. If you've got any questions for Kevin or want to reach out to him one on one, you can always call. The show number is 885 plan. If you get the voicemail, leave a quick message, and Kevin will return your call and set up a time to chat. 888-885-PLAN, again, is that number. We're going to dive today into those lesser-known facts about Social Security that maybe the average person doesn't know. We've got a list of seven of those on the show today. Kevin, the first one on the list is work credits. What's there to know about that?
0: Oh, geez, what is that? Work credit, that sounds like work, right? Yeah, it
1: doesn't sound fun, right? Work credits.
0: (laughs) No, So to qualify for you know, retirement benefits from social security, you're going to need what's called 40 social security credits. And how do you earn those credits? Well, if you look at your paycheck, you're paying what's called FICA. And if you're doing that, or if you're self-employed, you're paying into that system. That's where you're, you're going to get the income from. That's how it's tabulated. So in 2023, the year 2023, you have to have $1,640 in earnings that equals one credit. So if you earn sixteen hundred and forty dollars per every three months over the course of the year, that adds up to six thousand five hundred and sixty dollars for the year. You need forty credits, generally speaking. You know, there's certain circumstances that doesn't apply to, but most people are gonna need 40 credits to in order to draw social security when they get there. A lot of people think it's just gonna be there. No, you have to pay into the system. You know, in order to qualify for the benefits, and you and this is how they're doing it—they're tracking the credits that you have. And for the forty credits, that's usually equivalent to about ten years of working. So they're going to take, you know, the, the ten years. The typically, the you know your lower earning years are going to drop off, and your higher earning years are going to come on. So, what? How does this affect retirees, Walter? Well, most people when they're getting close to retirement, those are going to be their higher earning years. So those higher you know, work credits are going to come through on that, and then the lower ones are going to drop off. If you look at your Social Security statement, being that we're talking about Social Security, well, let's tell everybody where to go and get your statement. You go to www.ssa.gov, and that's going to give you your, what you called your work credit history it's going to give you history how long have you paid what your earnings have been how much you know all all of these things come together in one statement that's critical that you have that going into retirement because it's good like i said it's going to be lifetime income stream that we're going to put into your plan that's critical that we plan for other income streams that may be possible coming down on top of the social security so make sure you get that statement make sure you look at your credits make sure Everything is being uh, done correctly because Walter, let me tell you an example, a couple of things that's happened in the past, especially if you're a nurse, it seemed to happen to a couple of nurses that I have one, you know, they both work full-time and then they both work part-time. Now your wife's a nurse, right? Yeah. This is, this is going to tweak your ears. Okay. So what they did, meaning social security, what they did is they give them credit for the part-time work and not the full-time work. So you can only go back three years and correct that so for the that's why it's important to get your social security statement make sure that they're crediting correctly of what you're doing while you're working so because you can only go back three years and i was told they only make three million mistakes per year so that's that's not a lot compared to everybody right (laughs) only Mm three million only three million Mm -hmm. but i'm just joking it is a lot but So make sure you get that statement and make sure you start looking at the credits and then they're done correctly.
1: Interesting. Yeah, a lot of people don't even realize just how Social Security is even calculated. So there's one of those lesser known facts. And again, you can go to ssa.gov to find that information about your particular Social Security situation. Or if you need help looking that up, you can always reach out to Kevin and uh, he can look that up as part of the planning process with you. 888-885-PLAN, your number to call to reach Kevin, by the way. All right, what about the spousal bed? benefits options when it comes to social security? Would that also be a lesser known item that uh, you have found
0: to be the case? It is. We get a lot of questions on uh, on that. So let's give you a, maybe an example or two here. I can give you my sister-in-law, for example. She, her husband had passed away and she was, I think, at age 55. So he's fairly young, a young guy. And when she got to retirement age, she was entitled to spousal benefits. So what we did in her case is we drew his social security benefit for her, and we deferred hers and let hers grow. And that's a lesser known benefit that that people don't know about. So in other words, we drew on his social security benefit for her, and then we let hers grow. Now, typically it grows by 8% a year, so we're going to drop his at some point in time and pick up hers. Now, on the other hand, if you're married and you're both drawing social security benefits and one of you passes away you don't get both social security benefits you're going to get the higher of the two so let's just say you know we got a husband and wife and the wife has a higher social security benefit than the husband and the husband passes away well the wife in this particular instance is going to keep hers and lose her husband's cuz hers is the higher of the two now if it was the other way around where the husband was the higher she would lose hers and and pick up his so that's how these spousal benefits work and in our planning software we, we have a button, we just click it, it says spousal benefits. So if one spouse is, passes away, we, we're in this planning software that we have tree, it's automatically going to pick up the higher of the two in the planning process, and that's pretty critical going forward too, so we can plan for the shortfall, because we're going to be missing somebody's income right now, somebody's Social Security income, so we need to figure out how do we fill that shortfall.
1: When you're an individual, it's a little easier to make your social security decision. And although you've then got to make two decisions, if you are a couple, uh, the benefit and the nice thing is that uh, it also gives you some additional options to consider and think about. So keep that in mind as well. We're talking about lesser known social security facts on today's episode with Kevin Ray. We have a earnings test that pops up when we start talking about social security. This kind of falls into that category with those work credits where people just kind of really don't understand maybe, maybe how all this works. Works on the back end of the social security equations and how it develops your payments? What do we need to know about the earnings test?
0: Well, this we get this question a lot. Let's say that you turn age 62 and for whatever reason, you want to retire from, and from General Motors, for example, because a person that came in comes to mind. She worked at General Motors, she retired at 62, started taking her social security benefits, then went back to work. So the question was, can I go back to work and can I keep drawing my Social Security benefits? And the answer is yes and no. And here's how it works. So if you earn over about $21,000, and it goes up each and every year, $21,000 of income from a W-2, you're working someplace, they're going to start reducing your Social Security benefits that you're already drawing. And then it goes up to a certain amount. So they're going to take away basically for every $2 you earn over, they're going to take away a dollar. Then there's some other calculations that go in there. So if you're thinking about retiring at age 62, then going back and earning more of that income, you need to look at that. You need to plan for that. Now they do, however, if you wait to your full retirement age, your benefits going to be recalculated and those credits are going to come back into play onto your social security at full retirement age. But the key here, Walter, is you got to live long enough to make it work out in your favor, right? So if you're working at 62 and you're making $40,000 income, you're probably not getting much, if any of your social security benefit. And you go to full retirement age, let's say 67, and then you live two years, they're good. You're going to get a higher benefit at 67 because they're calculating what they had taken back over those years, but you only live two years. So you don't get the full, full amount, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does make so, a lot so of the sense.
0: Ear- the earning test is key. So if you're going to retire before full retirement age. And then you think you're going to go back to work. You have to keep that in the back of your mind. You have to understand how that works. And we get questions on this all the time when people come into our office and they're surprised. You mean if I make more than, you know, a little over $21,000 that they can take some of it away? Yes, that's how it works. So make sure you understand that rule before you go into retirement and go back to work if that's something you plan on doing.
1: We're talking about lesser-known Social Security facts, what you need to know. Got three others here, Kevin. Benefits can be garnished is our fifth one to cover. Uh, what does that mean?
0: Well, garnished, you know, uh, they, they can come and we're take We're not something. talking about, like, mint and basil here, right? We're talking about something else. <laughs> no, no, we're talking about them. <laughs> Some other garnishes. Some other garnishes, yeah. <laughs> So let's say you owe federal income tax to Uncle Sam. So you have student loans. Now this is for a lot of people out there. Student loans, and you haven't paid that back, and you start drawing Social Security. You know they can come back in and start taking some of those benefits to pay back those loans. But people are you know don't realize that can happen, and it does happen quite often when you sit down and you and you look at the statistics uh, what's going on out there. So make sure that if you have something like that and you're going to draw Social Security, take that into fact because maybe you need to work a little longer to pay those loans off, those types of things. So keep that in the back of your mind also. That's
1: a great point. I think that's uh, an interesting one to think about um, how they can often tap into those funds and something to be aware of. What about a lump sum death benefit? Is this a little known thing about Social Security?
0: Well, if you listen to Commercials because you hear it all the time. You know which commercials I'm talking about, Walter?
1: Um,
0: it's typically hmm, those AARP, oh, you know, those, they're, they're those selling, types. yeah, yeah. So, what are they trying? You know, you get a one time death benefit of $255, and then you have a couple saying, I don't know how Mary's making it because they didn't have any life insurance. So, this $255 death benefit doesn't you know replace the need for life insurance, is what this ad is all about. So many aren't aware that you even get $255, but don't count on that to supplement some income if you're gone early on in life for your spouse. So unless there's your life insurance, we you know have this conversation too, if you come into the office, yeah, you do get a one-time death benefit, most people do for $255, but if that spouse is gone and your social security, you're going to lose one of those social security benefits like we talked about, life insurance may come into play you may need life insurance to make up for that shortfall, the income shortfall you're going to have. So we, you know, we look at that too in the planning process.
1: All right, Kevin, last one is uh, we knew we wouldn't be able to get through a whole segment without talking about taxes. So that's our last one to chat on is taxes on your benefits. There's some confusion around what's taxable and what's not.
0: We're talking Social Security benefits now. Correct, yes. So they started this back in the 80s, I think it was 1984, and they said if you if you it's based on what you owe taxes on your benefits based on what's called provisional income. And here's how the formula works. You take your modified adjusted gross income plus any tax exempt bond interest plus half of your social security benefits. You add all that together. And if they cross a certain a certain threshold, then you're gonna start paying taxes on your social security. So let me give you an example, Walter. If you're a single person, and your income is under $25,000, you don't have to worry about any tax on your Social Security. But if your income crosses $25,000 and up to $34,000, up to 50% of your Social Security benefits will be subject to tax. And that's typically going to show up on your income tax return on line 20A and 20B. It's going to say the amount of Social Security you have, and then the amount that was taxed. Most people are unaware of that, and that's what we point out when you bring your income tax Uh, returns and we're going to look at that now if you're single and you earn over 34,000 up to 85% of it's going to be taxed so let's use simple equation here if you're at $10,000 a year in social security up to 8,500 of that is subject to tax just like you're working you have to pay tax on that now if you're married it's thirty-two thousand to forty-four thousand. Up to fifty percent of that is tax, and over forty-four thousand, up to eighty-five percent of your benefits is subject to tax. Now, there's ways to plan for that in some instances. So, remember, I said even taxed exempt bond interest uh, counts, Walter. Yeah, I remember in that, that in, in that mm-hmm. calculation. Most people don't think that so if you have like tax deferred maybe you have some annuities out there and you're not taking that income from it that does not go in this calculation so sometimes we can help people lessen the tax if they're paying tax on their social security and there's some of the planning techniques that we'll use well look hey maybe because cd interest rates are very very high today maybe you're getting five percent but that five percent of interest if you have a hundred thousand now you earn a interest that just may have put you over a threshold and you're paying more tax on your social security benefit there's ways to plan for that in some cases so you want to look at it because you paid into that system most of your life you want to keep the majority of it if you can and there are ways for planning around that so but taxes on your social security benefits been around since the 1980s and most people aren't aware of that
1: Okay, very good. If you've got any questions, it's been a great segment about Social Security and the lesser-known facts about it hopefully you learned something here. And uh, if you've got additional questions about Social Security or need a Social Security plan as part of your overall retirement and income plan, how are you going to retire and be successful in your years after working? If you haven't put together a formal plan before, it's time to do so. So pick up the phone, give Kevin a call and talk all this out. 888-885-PLAN is the number. That's 888-885-7526. You can also go to insightfolios.com. Either way, you're going to be able to set up time to visit for a conversation, a complimentary review of your financial plan, where you stand right now, and start uncovering how you're going to get to where you want to be in the future. And then if it makes sense, put together a full-blown financial plan with Kevin and the Insight Folios team. Costs nothing to pick up the phone call and have an initial conversation, though. All you have to do is dial 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-888. Kevin's in the office right there in Pinconning, so it's easy to come by, say hello, and spark up a conversation about uh, what your goals are for retirement and how to achieve them. 888-885-PLAN is that number. More to come on today's show. You're listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray.
0: What if we told you there was a simpler way to invest? Excellent. That's what we thought.
1: Thanks for joining us today on Simply Financial with Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Inside Folios, serving you in the Tri-City area with offices in Pinconning, of course. You can come by, say hello, find out about maybe some cool local spots to have lunch at or uh, where to pick up the best meat in town at the local butcher, the best fishing spots in the area as well. And maybe get a, a good bite to eat while you're in the office if Kevin's got the air fryer uh, going on that day. Uh, come by and say hello anytime. And you can call 888-885-PLAN as well to get in touch. Kevin's the co-author of the book, Navigating Through Retirement, and that's what we do each and every week here on the show. And up next, speaking of navigation, uh, we're going to talk about financial gas bags with Kevin on today. Gas oh, bags? Oh, okay, airbags. I'm sorry. <laughs> that would that, have been a totally different segment, Kevin. We...
0: Oh, you're throwing me off here. <laughs> work, work. I didn't know we had gas bags. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just a joke. Financial okay. airbags on, right. on the show. Yeah, not <laughs> gas bags. Um, you probably never think about that airbag in your car, right Kevin? You ever like actively get in your car and go, "Ooh, is the is the airbag on?" No, you just you always assume it's going to work,
0: right? You do. It's an assumption that it's going to be there when you need it. That's right.
1: When the rare moment comes, you're awfully glad that it was there, even though you hadn't thought about it probably for months or years beforehand. So there are some equivalents to that in the financial landscape, and that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of minutes. What are the things that don't really matter in your life until all of a sudden they do? things that you probably don't even think about on a daily basis, but it's good that they're in place. You know, the, most of those airbags in the car, right? There's a little key that you turn to, to, to activate the ga- the airbag. Now I'm going to say gas bag every time I want to say airbag, <laughs> that you want to activate the airbag. And you never turn that key the other way, right? I guess under a, a one circumstance, you might want to turn it off, I guess. But it, it, most of the time, that key is turned that way. And that's the same thing in the financial world. You're just kind of turn that key, leave it on, these financial airbags and they're going to be activated when we need them so there's a couple of examples where we see this in the financial world kevin first one legal documents kind of the things you set up and then you don't really think about them very much they're not maybe impacting you on a day-to-day basis but sometimes they then are really important all of a sudden at some point in your life
0: well they are let's talk about what most people um, when we come into our office i'm going to ask you do you have a will You know, do you have a trust and do you have powers of attorney put in place? So when we talk about those things, what, you know, the conversation comes down to, well, no, maybe I do. Maybe I don't need them, but I really fully don't understand what they're for. So let's start with a will, Walter. Let's assume that uh, hundred years from now you're gone and you have a will. So I'm giving you a long lifespan. So you better, you better plan carefully for income. Yeah, for sure. And when you're gone, you have everything in a will. What happens? Do you think?
1: Uh, someone looks at that will and then just follows those instructions.
0: Well, typically, right now, if you're in the state of Michigan, that will and most all wills, as far as I know, remember I'm not an attorney, goes through the process called probate. Did you know that?
1: I guess yeah, but but kind of yeah. didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you know, typically, you know, I have an attorney in my office here, Cynthia Forward, and I know just by sitting in on conversations, she says we're not typically going to put anything in the will. Because we don't want it to go through the probate process, we're going to list things in the will that you want oh. to go to certain people. Those types of things.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. So
0: you know, so what she'll she'll advise other ways to get that done. Now we'll talk about trust. What do trusts do? Well, trusts are going to be similar to the will, but they're going to avoid the probate aspect of it. So anything that has a trust will go down to your beneficiaries without the probate process in most instances. So if I give you an example, we've used it many times in the past. Elvis Presley had $10 million in his estate. How do I know that? He had a will. It's public, public information. Anything that you put in the will is public information. Frank Sinatra, on the other hand, when he died, I have no clue what he had because he had a trust. It's a nice private legal documents. So those are the two differences between the trust and the will. Now trust is going to come in handy for a couple of reasons. So if that you know, we're talking about financial airbags, not gas bags, right, Walter? So That's let's right. Talk about, yeah. Let's talk about the airbag here. So let's assume that you had, you know, you worked at one of the local companies here, Dow, General Motors, whatever it is, and you've had stock for years and years and years, and you just lived off the dividends in this particular instance. And now it passes down, you're gone, it passes down to your, to your heirs. Well, that trust is going to do something called stepped up in basis. It's going to pass that stock to your beneficiaries at whatever the current value is of the day, that you pass and it may avoid a bunch of taxes in that particular instance houses do the same thing if your second marriages third marriages are they're going to they're going to do some protections like that so the trust is very important and typically when you're gone that's when the trust is going to come in and soften the blows that we're talking about now power of attorney documents what are we talking about there let's assume Walter we have a couple they're married and the husband has a stroke and he's no no longer able to um, do anything for himself and the wife needs money out of his 401k out of his IRA. Can the wife get that money? Do you think
1: that's going to be some problematic, right?
0: It is because we need powers of attorney saying that your husband is not able to mm. act in it. So no company out there that I'm aware of Schwab, you know, American or whatever it is are going to accept the spouse's signature unless we have that power of attorney in place to get those assets out that's needed so those documents can be crucial. You have to have them, and then also there's the you know the the um, health power of attorney that has what they call HIPAA provisions. You know, do you want life support? You know, that that came all about from Terry Shiro, If we remember her down in Florida and all the all the yeah. things that came through there. So these three documents, you know, the wills, trust, and powers of attorney are very critical. And you never really think about them until you need them. That's what we're talking about now. So don't, you know, they're, they're not that expensive to go down that road and get your planning done before something happens. Because if you wait till after something happens, like the, the example I just showed, the husband had a stroke, is unable to act for himself, it's, it's probably too late. You, how, how can the husband sign something if, we, you know, if, if he's incapacitated, those types of things. So make sure you get those things done prior and get them done quickly because everybody needs them.
1: Great point. Yeah, a lot of people don't uh, assume that they just don't need uh, trust or those powers of attorney. A lot of people will just say, oh, yeah, I just need that will that'll have me taken care of. But plenty of stories. And you just shared a few of us uh, with us right there, Kevin, of why having those other legal documents in place is just like having that airbag on in your car. You're gonna be glad you took the time and the energy to put those things in place uh, later on in your life. Uh, what about long term care protections? How is that like a financial airbag?
0: Well, that's the one thing that most people are afraid of. Now we're talking long-term care. We're talking about nursing home, right? Yeah. Most people are afraid of the long-term care. What's going to happen to my assets? I worked 30, I worked 40 years. I accumulated a good, good chunk of change. And now if I go to the nursing home, what's going to happen to all those 30 or 40 years of work I'd done and saving, what's going to happen to that nest egg? Well, I can tell you it's going to disappear rather quickly unless you have some sort of protection in, in place. Because the average nursing home in our area in Michigan, in the Tri-City area, is around $90,000 to $100,000 a year of income. Just think, how long is it going to take? If you saved a million dollars, how long is it going to take to get it down to 500000 Not long. So we're talking about protections here. We're talking about having an airbag in place in case something like that happens. So what do you do? Well, there's a couple of possibilities that you look into. And both the possibilities I'm about to talk about Walter, you have to be healthy. You have to be what's called insurable. So if you're not then you're not insurable, then these things are not going to apply to you. But long-term care insurance. Why do we talk about long-term care insurance? If you're going down the road and you have a stroke and you're unable to you know, act on your health, you're probably going to need some sort of care, whether it be at home, assisted living, or a nursing home. And that's what these policies pay for. They pay for all three. Nobody wants to go to the nursing home. So if you have a long-term care policy in place, they also pay for somebody to come in the home and, and care for you. So your spouse can get out and do normal things because your spouse can't be bound to 24 hours a day to take care of you in the house. It's just not going to work. I can tell you from experience. Remember, my great-grandmother spent 12 years in a nursing home, and I know how that worked because my grandmother lived with her, and she could only do it for so long. The other things that are, you know, there's some hybrid life insurance policies out there that you could use to offset the cost of the nursing home. You know, it it will pay certain dollar amounts if something comes down the right. So if you have a death benefit, you can accelerate that death benefit, what they call, and you can take part of that death benefit to pay for those nursing costs. And what it does is reduce your life insurance down the road at the end but it's going to, in most cases, help you dramatically because you're not spending down all those assets. And there's some other ways to plan for that, too. But those are the two that we talk about on our office. Let's look at protection. Let's look at, you know, ensuring your nest egg that took your entire working career to, to accumulate. Let's not chance it. Let's not hope something doesn't happen. Let's plan for it.
1: All right. Very good. We're talking about uh, the different ways that we see financial airbags pop up in retirement planning. These are things that you're glad they're in place once you need them, even if you don't think about them on a day-to-day basis. If you've got questions for Kevin Ray as we cover all these different topics, give a call to 888-885-PLAN. That's 888 885 7526. Another example, Kevin would be life insurance. We broke this out separately from the legal documents conversation and the long-term care protections. It really deserves its own space here, doesn't it?
0: It doesn't when, when you know people just heard life insurance, they probably just said oh geez, you know they don't go down that road but it's important. It's very important into planning. And if you walk out on life, and you have people depending on you, life insurance is going to walk in on your life and take care of those people that you care about. That's what life insurance is all about. Sooner or later, we're all headed down the same road. We're going to walk out on life. And if your spouse is dependent on your Social Security, your pension, and you don't put them on as, as a survivor, so when you die, your pension dies with you, That's where the life insurance conversations are going to come into play. We're going to use life insurance to supplement that shortfall, that income shortfall that people are going to have. You're going to lose pensions. You're going to lose Social Security. You may have to sell a rental income because you no longer can take care of it because your spouse did all of these things come into play, and then like we just said a minute ago, sometimes we can use the life insurance to, to plan for long-term care protections so that you don't lose your nested. We don't go down that road. So life insurance is critical, and again, you have to be insurable. So if you're thinking, you know what, I like that life insurance idea but I'm going to get it in four or five years from now because I really don't need it now. That's okay, but you have to be insurable. Your health has to be in, in good shape for the life insurance company to insure you. They're not going to insure you if you think that you're not going to be here in a couple of years. That's just not the way they'd all be out of business if that happened. So get it while you're healthy. Think about it while you're healthy. Plan for it while you're healthy, and don't shove it underneath the rug and think it's, it's not a good planning technique because it is. And the other thing life insurance comes into play is if you have a large enough nest egg, you have a million-dollar IRA, and you want to pass that to your kids, we use life insurance maybe to pay the taxes on it or maybe gift that IRA to a church or a charity and then leave them other million to life insurance to your kids so your, your kids still get that. Lots and lots of planning techniques that we use life insurance for, Walter.
1: Lifetime income streams would be our final example here of a financial airbag. Why does this fall under that category?
0: Well, because they live as long as you are here. So we want to have income, you know, predictable income for as long as you're here. So what are we talking about when we're talking about lifetime income streams? Well, we talked about Social Security. That's going to be one. Pensions are going to be another one. Rental income is going to be another one. Annuities have lifetime income income streams. So all of these things, when you come into the office, we're going to put that into your simplicity tree plan, because we know we can count on that for the rest of your life, those income streams. So if we have, um, you know, a couple, and then we're looking at social security, we're going to put both your social securities. in. if you both have pensions, we're going to put those in there. And we're going to put on if they have survivor benefits into that plan. So if your spouse's plan, or if your spouse's pass, excuse me, how much of that Pension, are you going to receive 50%, 75%, 100%? Because that's critical when you go down that planning. What about the rental income? You know, when people come into our, our office, quite a few people have rental income. They count on that to supplement their income. And then annuities, you know, maybe you have annuity that you don't really know that has an income stream attached to it. Well, we'll discover that once you come in and we can show you how that can be a critical planning point into your financial plan going forward. So if your spouse walks out on life, and then the life insurance can walk in, or maybe the annuity can walk in and replace some of that income. All of these are, are critical when we sit down and we do that simplicity process, that income planning that we do each and every week for everybody that comes in. And that's what I'm passionate about. Let's plan for your future. You've, you've made it to retirement. You worked hard. You sacrificed. You're the hero of your story. You made all of this income. You saved all of this money. Now, when you retire, it doesn't stop. You still want to be the hero of the story. You don't want to be remembered after you pass it. Hey, you you really messed up. You want to get that plan put in place, and you want to make sure it's going to get you and your spouse and maybe some legacy planning put in place so that you're not remembered like that. You want to go out and and you want to go out in style, as I put it. You want to do the things that are right, and you want to give Uncle Sam the least amount possible and give your heirs and your beneficiaries the most that you can. How does how do you do it? You just sit down and you, you start doing this planning process. It's not hard, Walter. Most people that come in, you're in my office the first time, initial meeting for an hour hour and a half at the max and we're going to sit down and we're going to put all these things together and we're going to get a quick snapshot of whether retirement is really feasible for you or if it's not we're going to give you some adjustments that you can make and maybe speed that process up so don't procrastinate don't put that off you know um come in and then we'll help you we'll help you start that process
1: The number to call if you want to get in touch with Kevin Ray and set up that time to meet to go through the planning process or at least ask some initial questions about it, 888-885-PLAN. That's the number to dial, 888-885-7526. If you get the voicemail, just leave a quick note, and uh, the sensational Stacy or Kevin will follow up with you to have a conversation about your financial plan and answer those questions that you have, whether it be about something we've talked about here over the last few minutes, long-term care protections or insurance, getting those legal documents in place or income streams or something else. Maybe it's your 401k or your IRA or uh, family planning. How can I figure out the best way to pass assets on to the next generation? These are all the different types of conversations that'll transpire when you go through the planning process with Kevin and the team at Insight Folios. Kevin's born and raised in Pinconning. That's where the office is today. And you can come by and say hello and have a great conversation about your 888-885-PLAN is that number to dial 888-885. Eight eight five seven five two six. You can also uh, go online to insightfolios.com and click the listen button to ask any questions that you have as well. More to come on today's show. Stay with us. You're listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. It's getting to know you time. Thanks for joining us today on Simply Financial. It's time to get to know Kevin Ray a little bit better, a little sidestep from all the financial conversation, and a little fun. And Kevin, I'm curious, see if we, we can prevent from offending anybody perhaps on this segment. I don't know. That'll be interesting. Uh, what do you think is the ugliest car ever made? Ooh. Now I'm going
0: <laughs> to date myself here, Walter. So, I, 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 I,
1: I've got a guess as to what it is. What, what do you think? I'm going to guess the Yugo. No. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Nope. Nope. But <laughs> it, and I'm, like I said, I'm going to date myself. Here, so you All probably right. have you ever heard of AMC Corporation?
1: AMC Corporation. Yeah.
0: No. Uh-uh. Yeah. They, you know, Chrysler bought them out, and I think it was seventies, eighties, maybe. Okay. So they were American Motor Corporation, and they made this ugly car. I think it's hideous. Myself called the Pacer. The Pacer looks like a okay. big fishbowl going down the road to me. Um, if you Google it, you'll get a you'll get a AMC. Oh,
1: it's kind of like this, like really rounded looking car. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It just was oddball looking to me. And then when they first came out with front wheel drive cars, they had something called a Chevy Citation that looked like it was a forty five degree off the back end. I just could for for whatever reason, those two cars just stick out to me. Where I'm like, good lord, why would anybody buy those things? But those those were popular at at the time. So
1: that's too funny. The Citation doesn't look so bad. That
0: that's kind of got
1: a cool looking little i mean i see why you're like okay it's it's a bit of a funky back end but yeah
0: you come from you know remember i had the 70s cars and the the 60s cars when i was growing up they had all the style and then all of a sudden
1: well then everything was very boxy in the 80s right everything was very squared off and then when you saw something that wasn't squared off it then looked a little out of place so now
0: you remember my dad and i rebuilt a 1956 ford Fairlane, and that's got lines and that's cool, you know? So yeah. that's, the, that's what I'm that's what I'm comparing everything to, so.
1: Well, I'm gonna go with, and I'm not a hater by any means of, of Tesla and the Tesla brand. I actually like, I think Teslas are pretty cool. Um, I've rented them when we've done rental cars and gone places. Sometimes when they're just as affordable as a normal car, we get the Teslas because they're really fun to drive and I don't think they look that ugly. But the new Tesla truck, i the cyber truck i think looks oh, yeah. ridiculous and uh some people f- probably think it's the coolest thing ever i'm like that's the dumbest thing i've ever seen but
0: it kind of looks from you know, it should be in mad max show right it does it, it does yeah it yeah. looks like that i'm not crazy about that either so
1: maybe yeah. maybe too futuristic for me i don't know but yeah. I, I i'm not a big uh big fan of it that and the uh, the hamster car i'm sorry for anybody that's got the hamster car out there but I, I can't believe it when I see those things on the road.
0: Now, what's the hamster car?
1: That's the uh, the Kia Soul. The, uh, the, oh, the yeah, the, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The, I call it the hamster car because all the commercials when it first came out had hamsters driving it around. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I think maybe the, those hamsters were just annoying. Um, and then – And then I don't know, just they—they're funny looking on the road when I see them. Um, Sorry if anybody has a Kia Soul, my bad. (laughs) You probably think my truck, my truck might be the ugliest car in somebody's eyes. So there you go. There you go. I'm not holding it against anybody. Just my personal opinion.
0: That's why we're all individuals, and that's what's great about being an individual. Right? Everybody has their own taste.
1: That's right. Exactly. That's why there's such a diversity of of cars out there in different styles and brands to fit all of our individuality. So there you there you go. I love it.
0: The hamster car. The hamster uh, car. I will remember that the rest of the You're going to
1: see them now and be like, oh, the hamster car. There you go. (laughs) Good stuff. All right, more coming up on today's show. Before we wrap up for the week, we're going to answer a listener question, and it's a good one, so stay tuned.
0: No need to complicate it. This is Simply Financial.
1: Almost time to wrap things up on Simply Financial, but before we do, we're going to answer one more listener question on the show today. Uh, This one comes to us from Colleen, and Colleen says, how much money, Kevin, should I have in my emergency fund, and how does this differ from other savings, like for vacation or my property tax bill, that sort of thing?
0: Ah, Good question, Colleen, because you're doing sort of what we call the bucket planning. You have certain buckets that fill in dollars up for certain needs, but... I'm going to give you a little different answer than I think most people are used to because normally, what do you hear, Walter? When you when you hear this, how much? How many it, this months? is like
1: the three to six months of expenses right, yeah, seems okay. to be the trope. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm six to six months to one year. I'm leaning more towards the one year, and here's well, here's why I say that because I've had some health issues going on in my life, and I'll give you an example. I had gallstones where it was an easy, you know, it was going to be easy procedure where I'd be home by noon, and I was home two weeks later and I couldn't work for a long time. So those things are gonna pop up. So I feel much better if you have at least six months of emergency money set aside in a bank account, not in in a mutual fund or anything like that, in a bank account, so it's easily accessible if you need that money. So six months minimum, and I like to tell people up to a year because there's, you know, we talked about airbags earlier on, you'll be glad you have it if something like that happens, like it happened to me, this Mm -hmm. unforeseen, unknowable event that was about to happen on me, and it just knocked me out for a good six months where I was coming in and out, I couldn't work much, and I didn't have to worry about it because I had that money set aside, and when that airbag went off, it took away a lot of stress, and that's what we're talking about here, Colleen. The emergency fund is going to take away a lot of stress. So if you have a health problem, you need roof, you need a car, whatever it is, that's going to take away a lot of stress, and that's why we tell you, build up that emergency fund to a minimum of six months in my estimation.
1: Well, just the fact that you're asking these kinds of questions, Colleen, is a great sign that you're kind of in the throes of financial planning and maybe getting ready for retirement and thinking about all these different moving parts. So that's a great sign. If you want some help putting together the rest of the puzzle, all you have to do is pick up the phone, give Kevin a call, and start having that conversation about putting together your overall financial and retirement plan. You can get a complimentary review by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888 885 7526, or go online to insightfolios.com. Kevin's office is in Pinconning, so it's easy to come by, say hello, and have that conversation. Just call 888-885-PLAN. Again, 888-885-7526. Kevin, thanks for all the help today. Really appreciate your guidance, and we'll look forward to another great conversation with you soon.
0: Have a good week, Walter.
1: All right, you as well. That's Kevin Ray. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see everybody next time, right back here on Simply Financial.